Hello, Rick. So nice to have you join the podcast. How are you? I'm good. Thank you, Nikita. It's good to be here. Um, I know we tried to, we tried to schedule this uh, last about a week ago, right? And um, yeah, we weren't able to do it. I I had other arrangements, unfortunately, that I couldn't ignore. Yeah. But it was good. It was fun time. It was Thanksgiving with the family and projects and work. So that's nothing to complain about. And I'm happy to be here now. So thank you. I'm for, happy to have you. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for having me on. So you you started acting at early age, right? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, probably when I was a kid, I I I always kind of imitated characters from cartoon shows and memorized movies like The Little Mermaid and Lion King. So、mm. my parents would probably say that I started acting at a very young age. <laughs>、uh, it was not as not as adorable as you might think、um, <laughs> when, <laughs> when you're trying to raise a kid who's just repeating The Lion King. It gets a little annoying.、Right. But、uh, yeah, it was.、Um, Something that was kind of my character as a young、mm. as a young lad.、Um, I would go about the house and with friends, just、uh, you know, and and dressing as Pinocchio and 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 Beetlejuice. I I loved it all. So I was a pretty weird kid, but it turned out to be perfectly fine for my career. So so how do you actually you know really starting to do the acting part? You you were studying psychology. Yeah, so I went when I really started acting.、Um, well, I'd done some like high school plays and some. I would go to camp and do some plays there, but that's not that's not really recognized, right? So I was in、mm. I was up in college in Chico, California, going to school for psychology,、uh, mm. studying、uh, behavior theory and early childhood development, and.、Mm. Then I realized I was just and I was taking acting classes and drama classes with、uh, my mentor Jerry Miller. And then I realized I, I was really just a bad student, <laughs> and and I wanted to focus on acting more. I didn't want to write papers about the you know for the prerequisites in psychology. I was interested in people. I was interested in how people thought, and、mm. especially working with kids.、Um, but all of the writing and all of the research studies and all of the citing and you know ten page papers and. Twenty-page papers. I was I wasn't really into all that, so I started to drift away from my major and just started focusing more on acting. Mm. Mm-hmm. And and how do you do you see when you when you started to acting? Do you feel like some something you you learn from the psychology part? Do you, do you see yourself、mm. apply into that? Yeah, I mean, well, as 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 somebody who's I think. What is that quote from Natalie Portman? Everyone who's in psychology is messed up. <laughs> But she, she, she had a good quote where it's like you know,、um, acting is empathy, and I, I think that that's a very wise thing to say. And and when you're acting, you are embodying yeah. Yeah. another person, another character with somebody else's emotions.、Mm. It, it also makes it one of the most exhausting things to do is acting. I don't believe that it's easy at all if you're doing it right. Um, but yeah, knowing more about how people think and how they react and their idiosyncrasies and what makes them tick kind of helps guide you in discovering what a character is when you are portraying them. So, so, so since since the acting part, I think in I think I think Woody Bear is is your longest collection. You said over the year that you have been doing that. Oh yeah, it's the the longest run I had with the most characters. So it was over a span of five years,、um, with over I'd say a total of thirty plus characters for that, for the、wow. series, and for the movies.、Um, let's see, I don't remember how many main characters I had, but I had about three main characters, maybe、mm. four, and then that was for five seasons of of the of the show, of the TV show that was broadcast.、Mm. And、oh. um and then four full length feature films, um two theatrical and two made for TV movies that were released. Um overall, the longest run on a on a cartoon show that I had doing the same characters, um which is kind of like after a while it, it's it's sort of like living with your family member you just want to strangle them. <laughs> <laughs> you feel like you feel like you, you feel like when you left the character, do you feel like some part of the characters do leave? You know, leave behind, you take away from 
only when people remind me of it. So I'll, I'll get a lot of friends calling me or hitting me up on, on social media and, yeah, he and they'll say, yeah, yeah. All the time. Like, you know, I was watching Netflix with my kids and I, they were watched this random movie and then your picture popped up and I just thought, and I'm like, Oh yeah. Okay. Great. I mean, it's, it's great. It's sweet. It's nice to hear that yeah. people are recognizing you as a, as somebody who's an actor. It's, it never, yeah. I don't think it really is a bad feeling. Until they start saying, "Dude, come on, man, come, come, do, do, do the voice for me," and it's just like, <laughs> "Oh God, <laughs> oh no!" And some sometimes it's kind of you know just in the most inopportune times where you're sort yeah. of like, <clears throat> "Okay, <clears throat> hang on a second, <clears throat> come on, Bramble, <laughs> Logger Vic," you know. <laughs> and, and those are the three taglines that you just that I always go to so that I can you give people a taste of the voice. To do that for them. Well, yeah, if I like them enough. But happily, <laughs> of course. Um, I, but so when you when you when you do the voiceover work from the character, how do you make them alive or, or bring out a character or, or make them more lively? Oh well, that's called acting. No, um, <laughs> it's it, it it's really. I mean, my method is I look at them as if they were somebody that I cared about. Because mm. if you if you care about somebody, then you understand that they have their own struggles, their own past, their own experiences, their own feelings. You mm. kind of you kind of understand what they're going to react to emotionally, what they're going to be sort of angry about, what they're going to be really angry about really uh, sort of sad about or really sad about you're going to understand mm. how they are how they act when they're just a little bit mad and how they act when they're in fear like when they're furious same thing if they're just a little bit down in the dumps sad mm. or or if they're like bawling their eyes out sad as human beings we have like a dynamic array of emotions and so your characters deserve the same Um, when you're creating a character, you don't want them. Nobody's happy all the time. Nobody, right. nobody gets yeah. angry the same way every time. Um, we have we have layers and a dynamic to our emotions. And when building yeah. a character, you really want to give them that as well. That that's what makes somebody real. That's what that's what makes somebody a real living thing. Yeah, I like like I like the way you put it. Like, there's mm. so many different layer in in the emotion part that human have to 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 live differently every day right experiences and, mm -hmm. and so it's also and, one thing that i do with coaching when i i take on some students for voiceover coaching particularly mm -hmm. when they're interested in character work my goal for them is to understand that they're not just creating a, a funny voice it's great if you mm -hmm. can have a funny voice um if you can make a character likable and is approachable Yeah, it's a natural talent. I mean, not everybody mm -hmm. has it. But mm -hmm. at the same time, how does that character cry? What does that character get upset about? Do they have a big boisterous laugh like a <laughs> or do, or do they have like a a nervous sort of <laughs> giggle? Like how do they what do they find funny? What do they what makes them upset? Um And if you if you're just telling me that you have a great SpongeBob voice, well, Tom Kenny already does SpongeBob. They're not going to replace him with you. So mm. telling telling me that you have good impressions doesn't make you necessarily right for you know the 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 role that you think that you can do. Don't tell me the characters that you can impersonate. Show me what characters mm -hmm. you can create because that's what mm -hmm. that's what people are going to ultimately hire you for. Wow, that's so beautifully put. Beautifully Thanks. put, and um, so so you also got into writing. Mm. Is, is it during the acting, uh, different project, or how do you start writing? Um, I think well, like? it goes it goes back also to like when I was a kid. Me and my buddy Alejandro Wilkins. I think we were in third or fourth grade, and um, mm. I think it was third grade, and we would write these little we would make these little books where we were, we were fighting off aliens mm -hmm. and saving the planet. And um, we had, uh, we had done these drawings and we had all these stories and um, I think it might've been me, Alejandra and this kid, Randy Pasqua. Mm -hmm. um, and so, so we would make these stories and then our teacher, Miss Gimber would like read them in front of the class. 
and mm-hmm. everyone everyone would like him. So I I always kind of had that story like love for story when I was a kid. I was a, a, a completely like the creative part. Yeah, I was I was obsessed with movies. I I memorized the Little Mermaid. I memorized the Lion King. And I Aww. I think it was just yeah. one of those things where I loved like characters. Growing growing like childhood memory. Oh uh, really yeah, <laughs> yeah. It annoyed yeah. it annoyed everybody else, but I enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> mm. But you know, like as, then when I actually started at really writing was again when I was in college after I had done some theater. I had mm. seen my mentor Jerry Miller. Um, mm write some some of the greatest comedy plays that I had been in the musicals that I did with him were phenomenal very funny guy and very serious too um could be loving guy but he would tell you like don't be fooled by your talent Mm. so and then um Emily Brandon who's another good great stage writer um Mm. good friend of mine who wrote a few plays and cast me and another actress Aaron um her name at the time was Aaron Oust Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to say her name now because she's married and, and so all that um, okay. for her privacy, <laughs> right? Um, but she, you know, she uh, she cast us in her one act plays that were really phenomenal about these really toxic relationships that this girl was going through, played by Aaron, and I was the boyfriend, and uh, there was another man that played her father, mm-hmm. and it was just such great writing that it made me along with Jerry, that was, oops, that was sort of the start of when I was sort of like, I've got all these stories inside of me too. And so Jerry was your, was your mentor, right? He was my, he was my first acting coach, my first acting instructor actually Mm. at, at, uh, in college. And then um, after I had done some things, he immediately moved me to some of his main productions throughout chico wow and uh it didn't sit well with a lot of the other actors in the community because they were they were sort of like who is this new kid and it's a very competitive Mm. sort of thing but yeah it turns out that we had a long working relationship with each other and i love the guy he he really he's a very loving guy very hard working guy but also very serious and he takes what he does very seriously and when when other people mess around he's not so nice but I mean, with good reason, because he, he he's a very talented man, and he could do it better uh, than he could do it way better than you. So there's no reason for you to fight with him. Um, <laughs> it's so lucky to to met some you know really work with some great people who lead you to the to the right path and really teach yeah. you. Yeah. Wow. What what do you consider a good script or how does mm. like structure structure script writing? Um. So there's I think I have my method. All writers sort of have their method. There's the mm. there's those people who are really good stage writers and screenwriters who just like say sit at the computer and write mm. and fix it later. And that is not me. I can't do that. Like I will lose my focus. I will lose my energy, my drive. And because I'm such a creative person, I don't want. To, I want to know where the story is going before mm. I start dissecting it into parts. So for me, it's. Think of the basic logline. Who are we writing about? What are they battling against or fighting against? And what are they trying to accomplish to become Mm. what? That basic logline is the most important thing to your story. And for me, I think that if you don't have that, if you're just like taking a character and you're going to your computer and you're like, let's go on a journey, that works for a lot of people. It doesn't work for me because I, I need to have the structure of knowing where I'm going to hit these marks, where I'm going to take my character's journey. What are the, what are the 15 steps? What are the um, 31 steps to this script? I want to make sure that it has an impactful opening. I want it to have a great inciting incident. I want it to have a great midpoint. I want it to have a great catalyst and I want it to have a great um, dark moment for the hero. And, you know, all of those and the, the 22 elements that are in story, um, are they're so fun to play with. So if you just have your your story set and then you build your skeleton off of the, the structure of a screenplay and then you just play around with every scene as if it's like a nice juicy piece of meat for the audience to chew on, that to me is my method. I think it's the most effective method for me to get through a script. It prevents me from having writer's block mm. and, and it keeps me focused on where my story is going. So that would be my method. Um, 
Yeah, but but so, as far as as far as like what I think the the best way to write was that the question the best way to write a script? Yeah, I don't know because there there are some people who when I watch them write, I get a headache. <laughs> I had a, I have a buddy who who was who's a stage writer mostly, but would write mm. scripts and and he would sit there and he would just start writing on his computer and and five ten minutes later I'd be like where are you, you know where are you at and he's like oh I, I mean I don't know I'm just I'm getting through this first script to get it done and then I'm just gonna go back and polish it later mm. and to me my head just starts hurting I'm like why would you put yourself through all that madness. Um, but you know, that's his, that's his, that's his method of writing. Yeah, maybe, maybe it worked for him. Yeah. Some people do well navigating through the chaos. I don't. <laughs> um, uh, you are also a script doctor. Some people would just, you know, they, they have the script ready and looking for someone to help them to polish the script in order to sell out the script, uh, sell it to, uh, producer or or director or studio uh what do you think is the common mistake um well i think i think that there's three common mistakes that people make when they're when they're writing especially with beginning writers who want who need the help of somebody who has done the work before who has had stuff produced who is you know at least got some craft under their belt um Mm. so the biggest three mistakes that i see with new new writers is um, one, they they tend to not have any interest in writing. Uh, they they tend to have more interest in writing about themselves, which again, this isn't to sound mean, but th- is your story, is your life story really that interesting to where hundreds of millions of people are going to buy tickets to see the movie about your life? Probably not, unless you juice it up with some other stuff. And so... Mm-hmm. It's not like a, you know you're a boring person and nobody likes you. I'm not saying that about, <laughs> about anybody, but it, it's really hard when when you're focusing on the story being about you. It makes it really difficult for other individuals who aren't your immediate friends or family to really invest. Mm-hmm. Um, it it's you really have to put a character through relatable things, and you can do that with yourself. But the problem is is then it has to be dynamite and captivating. And if you don't have a dynamite and captivating story to tell, it might be interesting to you. It might be interesting to your friends and family, but it's not going to sell. And and anybody who's going to, you know, want to produce a movie is going to want to make a movie that sells, right? It's their name on it too. So that's the first thing. I think that people should focus less on writing for themselves and writing characters that are based on themselves um, and write stories of, about situations that you really want. Now, this is just my advice. I don't know. I mean, there's plenty of people who write autobiography movies and they get made and they become either cult classics or big hits. So mm. I'm not saying it's wrong, but people uh, love like true story. Like people love that. Yeah, sure. Some people, some people do, yeah. And a lot, a lot of it too is like based. The people understand that based a lot of these story. exactly that the the phrase is very telling. It's based on a true story. They're not telling yeah. you all of the events that actually happened in that person's life. Otherwise, it would mm. drag on forever and it would be boring. Mm. So the second problem that I see that people do, for the most part, is they are very eager to get their first script out, and they have very little craft, and they've taken absolutely no training at all. And they just want to get their script produced. And the truth is, it, it can happen. I don't want to discourage people from trying. But the truth mm-hmm. is, your first script is probably not going to be your masterpiece. And to spend so much time learning the the story as you go along, it's very unlikely that somebody's going to look at your script, read your script, and go, mm-hmm. oh, my God, I got to make that into a movie right now. More likely than not, they're going to say, I have nothing to do with this script. There's nothing I could do with the script because you're not crafted. You know, it takes a long time to craft yourself. And the third thing that people don't do is actually write. They don't actually spend the time writing. I, I like, it's kind of connected to the, to to the second problem, but Mm. I always, I always tell people when I'm teaching them about writing or training them in writing that you should spend at least, um, one time a day writing a five-page scene and then deleting it and throwing it away. Just to get some inspiration. Well, it does it, it does a couple things. It, it, it hones your skills and, and 
focusing mm -hmm. on what is the conflict in the scene? Who are the characters in the scene? How do they talk? How do you make them sound natural? You get mm -hmm. better at that. Instead of wasting your time on a 120-page script where you're testing out how to make these characters work, you're actually just doing it for, for a five-page scene. And then it doesn't matter because you're, you're just throwing it away afterwards. You're not, oh. you're not invested in that. So you're building skill and you're learning to let go. Those are very, mm -hmm. very important things to know as a writer. Build your craft, build your skill, and learn to let go. Because the second that a producer or even an indie filmmaker wants to direct or produce your film, that script is changing, whether you like it or not. You hand it to a script doctor like me, it's going to change. And you're not going to like, you have to let those things that you're attached to go. Because the, the goal is to make a movie. If you're making a movie, you're working with other people. If other people see that your your script isn't working and you can't mm. get over that, people aren't going to be happy to work with you. Um, it's sort of like a while back when I was writing, when I was first writing stage um, and, mm. and, and, and uh, Chico when I was in college, I mm. had written this um, short play, this one-act play, and... Um, it was, I was really proud of it. It was a funny play called What's With You. And I used Aaron because we had really good chemistry mm -hmm. on stage. And one of the things that I did was I said, um, I, I wanted to act in it because I thought the character was fun, but I mm -hmm. didn't, I didn't want to say, this is my script. I'm acting in it. Mm -hmm. So I said, I had another buddy um, who was a great thespian in Chico. His name was uh, Dave Ornelas. And he was a really creative guy. And so I said, you direct it. <laughs> and he's like, really? Really? I'm like, yeah, dude, you direct it. Because I, I, it was a, it was a, for me, it was sort of like a practice of humility. I didn't want the play to be, you know, a, a play written by Rick J. Glenn, starring Rick J. Glenn, directed by Rick J. Glenn, right? That just sounds... You've played it all. It's just, to You've me... you played the whole game. Right. And, and, and when people do that, they just... Not only do they come off pretentious, but it's sort of like you're really not relying on people who could do a better job than you can. Even mm -hmm. if you're a good director, it's like if you're writing something and you're that involved in the writing, why not give somebody else's, like, vision... Let, let them yeah. kind of c collaborate with you on this. So it that's what I did. To, it takes a team, whole team to do something. It does. It, especially with movies, it takes a lot of people to get a movie done. And a so lot of talent. A lot of talent, a lot of runners, a lot of people making sure that everything is running smoothly. And so it's not it's not about you in the end. It's There's nothing wrong with having your name on a script and having someone else direct it and having somebody else star in it. Well, and, so, yeah, go ahead. Uh, and... I wanted to ask. So, so you were saying is is never not the, the best advice to to put off the your first first grip to 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 sending out to production company or studio or but when is it the mature time to do that? Oh, that's a tough one. Everybody learns at different. How long does it take? Like it, how long does it take to to get there? For everyone, it's different. I mean, mm. there's a story. I can't remember the guy's name. He was a guy living in L.A. He mm. left his hometown. He was living in another state. Mm. He was living in L.A. The first script that he wrote got optioned and picked up by an independent um, production company. And it's wow. the first script that he ever wrote. And I can't remember the guy's name. He had long dreads, like oh, long wow. long braids. And he was this like really charming guy. And, um, and he was very quiet, soft-spoken kind of guy. And it's like, okay. Mm. But, but he... Um, he made a movie off of his first script. It happens, but it doesn't happen often. And it's not something that people should aim for. If it happens, mm. great. I don't want to knock anybody or discourage Hoping anybody. For the best. Yeah, of course. I, you know, as a writer, I know how hard it is to make your craft and build your craft and mm. get noticed and to, to get things wrong and to write something that's phenomenal, but nobody wants to touch. And it's, it's, it's a it's a painful industry to get into. So when you see somebody do something like that, it's almost like it gives hope to everyone, right? You want PT, you should want to see people succeed. Mm. And I love hearing stories about people succeeding. I know that a, a lot of other people in the industry they get threatened by that. It's like, why didn't they get my script? And it's like, you know, they just didn't. It's the same thing as an actor. You audition over and over again for all of these roles. 
And mm. most of the time you hear no, <laughs> or you don't hear anything. And right. so you have to take it with a little bit of grace, move mm. forward and don't expect it's, it's a weird position to be in. Like don't expect to hear a yes when you just start out, but be prepared to start running. If you do get a yes. And <laughs> that's so nicely put. Yeah. 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 It, and it, it, it's a, it's yeah. a, it's a difficult industry. And I, I would say mm. that, those stories are great to hear, but the mm. reality is the reality is most of the time you're going to work on a few scripts and it's, it's when you actually learn your craft and mm. meet people who will actually want to work with you and know what kind of stories you tell and know that you're mm. willing to work with, you know, not just make it about you. Not only was it the example of me handing my script to my buddy, Dave, Ornelas to direct us. And then he said, well, I want you to play the, the character Chase. And I said, okay, fine, I'll do it. And then he said, will you do it with an Australian accent? And I said, what are you doing to me, man? <laughs> I don't I've never done an Australian accent ever. And it's still not that great. It's, it's okay. It's pretty decent, but it's not, but anyway. Um, the, this other time we were shooting a movie in LA the mm. hotline was what it was called. It was a short film right. and not to give too much away. Cause I'm actually going to try reproducing it here. We did one production of it and it never got to post-production and mm. the, the project got scrapped. I still have the rights to the script. So I'm going to try it again later, but there was a scene where one of the actresses uh, who was a really good actress, by the way, she, she felt like the lines that I had written for her character were kind of not just right. And, you know, I could have easily been too bad. I wrote it. I'm the writer. Read the, read the damn lines. But, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to work with anybody who would talk to me like that. So I'm certainly not going to talk to anybody else like that. My goal as one of the co-producers on the film and the assistant director was to get the best performance out of her as I possibly could. Right. And if she's not feeling these lines and she never complained about any of the other lines, it was just this one part where, and it was like about a week into our shoot. So she was doing a phenomenal job. She nailed the character in the audition. Now I'm, now I'm working with her. So anyway, this was the situation. She had a little bit of a mini monologue that she was saying to another character, just a little bit of a, di a diatribe that she went on with this other character. Mm. And she said, it sounds to me like she's, you know, the, the language is not really, she ended up having a professional position before being an actress where she kind of did this type of thing. And so I said, she, I said, okay, let, let's, let's hear what you got. Let me, let me know what you, and I didn't want to put her on the spot, but um, mm. I said, if you're not feeling these lines, what do you got? And so she told me, she wrote, I said, take five minutes, write down what you think would, would be mm -hmm. more appropriate. Um, and, um, and then let's come back together. And, and so she wrote it all down and she read it to me and I listened to her and I looked at the other producer and I, I kind of, I went, Hmm. <laughs> and, and so I looked back at her and she was like, it's okay. You know, actors are very sensitive. <laughs> So she's like, it's okay. Um, you know, I, I was just, it's just an idea because, you know, I worked, I worked in this industry before and it, it kind of, it was kind of, we don't really talk like that in this industry. So I was like, okay, okay, wait, hold on a second. I'm not just going to be a jerk about this. Right. Mm. So, so, so you were, yes, uh, I wanted to ask a little bit detail. So you were saying that the industry, was it the, the hotline? the suicide mm -hmm. industry or, or the mental health or yes. like what kind of industry it was, it's a story about mental health and this character is doing taking it upon herself to help uh, people who mm. call mm. and and so her character sort of wasn't a professional but was she had worked the actress had worked in that industry before and so she wrote down what, what they were kind of told to say the script that they were used to to, to talk to other people um, when they call in. And so mm -hmm. to me, it sounded, um, to me, it sounded a little bit uh, too professional for the character. So when she first read it through, I looked at Vic, the other um, producer, and we were just kind of like, he's like, what do you think? And I'm like, that's not it. But it's not, it's not the, it's not the words that she changed. I just mm -hmm. had to think about it for a second. 
And I was like, okay, read it again, but this time read it like you're speaking to your daughter. Now, she had two sons. The actress didn't have a daughter, but I'm I'm just saying, visualize, read the same thing again, but pretend that you're reading that to your own daughter. Mm. And so she took a moment and she read it again, and it was way more motherly and way more caring, which was suitable for the character. And instantly me and the other producer looked at each other and were like, that's it. That's perfectly fine. So even in that moment where my writing was changed by an actor, you have to be willing to say something good can come out of this because if they have more experience with this type of dialogue with people who are in desperation, you want to listen to that. You know, you want to make sure that you're not ruining the entire movie by making the characters sound disingenuous. You want Mm. them to sound like they are genuine people. And she wrote down something and the way that she read it was perfect. So we went with that. You have to be able to, Really open it except the, right the other part that, that's that somebody might know something better than you do it's just gonna happen so mm. you you have to remain there has to still be a hierarchy right you can't have mm. everybody on set saying don't do it this way do it that way i mean that will just make your whole production crumble but if you mm. give actors the space to express how their character might do something in a better way mm. if it's gonna make your movie better go with it i mean don't be don't be so married to your ideas because they can be, they can be better if you allow other people to, to look at them. <laughs> right. I like this. I like this way you put it. Don't be <laughs> so married or, or attached to right. the idea. Always open for. It's, it's kind of one of the funniest things too, because people who know who get into writing where it's sort of like writing is rewriting. Right. And they're so, they love to repeat this, this motto of writing. It's like writing is rewriting. You have to rewrite your script multiple times. You have to go back and you have to change all the, but the second that somebody else comes along and changes it, you get really defensive. It's like, no, you tried to make it better several times. Now Mm -hmm. it's the time of the production where we need to allow other people to try to make it better because we need to get this done. We have a project, but we have a principal photography shoot time. We want to get it in the post. And if some if somebody can make this better, and it's the actor that are, that is reading the lines, mm. give them the chance. And it turned out this time to be that it was better. What she had written down and the way that she read it was exactly the way it needed to be read. So mm. you have to leave yourself open to that. Okay, thank you. Mm-hmm. I like that part. So since you 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 work on many different projects and mm-hmm. many different talent obviously uh so writer producer director acting um which part do you enjoy the most i would mm, that's a good yeah that is a good question i would say the one i can i can tell you which one i like the least (laughs) (laughs) that's the (laughs) that's the easiest one to answer (laughs) (laughs) it's okay the one i like the least especially when it comes to independent projects is being a producer it's so much work and it's so draining. And I mean, it's necessary, but the thing is, is that it's so tiring and the mm-hmm. reward, the reward is the the outcome of the movie, but you're so stressed on, on everything, especially with low budget independent mm-hmm. films. It's like, you don't get to sleep and everyone else just has this one job. So if you're doing a producer, if you're going to be a producer, I say, just be the producer. Don't be a writer, director, actor, and producer. That'll it'll it'll burn you out. I I I I almost rarely try to do more than two jobs at one time for a production because it doesn't interest me. I can I will lose my energy when if I'm trying to give myself too much. So mm. I don't mind producing. There seeing something come to fruition, seeing something get accomplished, even through all the heartache and stress and lack of sleep, I I can appreciate being involved in in as as a producer because it's sort of like the responsibility like you pulled it off you're the ultimate one who makes it's like the a mother for 10 child <laughs> yeah it's like the parent of the whole production so like this to see that your child grew into something that's actually functioning is really yeah. great but it's the most exhausting i would say um mm. I would say second, which part you, what do I like? Yeah. Let's talk about yeah. the positive, right? Let's talk about that. I, I would say, I would say there's two of them. And I think that they're the ones that I focus on the most. Mm. I like, I love writing. Mm. I love writing. To me, writing is probably my favorite painful thing to do. Um, acting. If I didn't, I would imagine that if I, if I had more of a natural 
talent for writing that I like I like I do with acting. I would probably like acting more if I had to work at it as much as I've had to writing. Writing mm. is something that I've worked so hard on to sort of like get even remotely good at, you know, and it's something that I, I feel is much more of an accomplishment for me rather than acting, which was just, it was fun. And I, I, I sort of, I had a slow growth as an actor. I, I, I had this natural talent that everyone would appreciate, mm. appreciate. But then when it came to building my craft, there were a lot of times where people were just like, dude, you know, <laughs> they were not very pleased with me because I was like this, not so much a golden boy, but it was really kind of absurd how I would just naturally do these things and other actors would be sitting there really. And this was early on in my career. I don't behave this way anymore, but when mm. you're, when you're younger mm. and you're sort of told like, you got it, you could be an actor, this mm. ego, this ego starts to build in you and you don't take it as seriously as everybody else. Who's really getting off book, learning their lines, doing th speed throughs, practicing their emotions, like going through the beats, all that stuff. And when when you have an actor who's not doing that and it took me a while to learn to do that just out of respect for other actors it's like when you it that part i appreciate but but writing is something that i worked really hard on and so that why is something do you enjoy writing so much because some people said writing the most painful course oh it is yeah. it is it's very painful but <laughs> it, it's also to me, it's, it's the most rewarding because you are the first, the first draft of the story, right? If you're, if we're talking about production, right? There's actually you tell the story three times mm. when you're making a movie, a TV show, anything. Not really a stage play, but, but you know, when you're doing something that's on film or TV or mm. animation, you're telling the story three times. You're telling it when you write the story. You're telling mm. it. That's the first time. You write the script, you write it multiple times, and then you got a production script and you're ready to go into production. Mm -hmm. Then the second time you tell the story is during production, during your principal photography or animation, storyboarding and animators and voice actors and all that stuff um, and music and whatever. That's kind of post-production or that is post-production. Um, and then you, you tell it the third time in the editing room when you're cutting it together. And so... Uh, I kind of forgot where I was going with this, but the fact that you you're at the beginning of the story, you're sort of the origin of this production by creating. You're the one who creates the characters. I understand a full vision of it. Yeah. You, you're sort of setting the whole existence of this realm or this universe into motion as a writer. You're the one who's creating the entire world of events. So I like that kind of, I like that kind of authority and in 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 storytelling not not mm. that i get to tell everybody else what to do because again once it goes into production you're you're needed very little as just a writer on set so but but i mean you do have so much power as the writer and it's a painful struggle to go through but when you really like build your craft and get it right um it's it's a great feeling i think i understand that, what you mean when you're saying uh so much power i i i think what you mean is you have so much freedom to to create a character yeah well now you see like, right? now you just said it better than i do you're a better writer <laughs> than me already <laughs> no I, say, yeah, I understand what you mean yeah um, but you're right and i would say to, so then when it comes to directing this is something that i wish i was better crafted at I have directed mm -hmm. small skits, um, independent films, and I, I got to be honest with you, I don't quite know that I have the vision to be a phenomenal director. It's something that I that I'm learning more and diving more into. I've I have a I can have a vision of something. I can mm -hmm. see how I want something shot, mm -hmm. but the craft isn't there. Even I mean, as much as much as I'd like it to be, it's there. I'm not like if somebody said, "Can you come direct this?" I'm mm. sure I could. The problem is I, or not the problem, but the, the difference is I would do it. I would probably ask somebody else to direct it because I have so much more to learn still as a, as a director that it's mm. not my, it's not my strongest suit. Mm. That's you're so humble on that. <laughs> well, it's, you gotta be honest because if yeah. you're not, if you're not honest about the things that you can't do as well as other people, Mm -hmm. then you're just going to make it impossible. You're going to be impossible to work with. If, if, so at, yeah. 
Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, well, I was just going to say really quick. If I wanted to write the hotline about a young man instead mm-hmm. of a young woman, right, who was who was mm-hmm. in the same position, then I all of a sudden I can be, oh, I could play the young man. But here's here's the here's the issue with that. I would be giving myself an acting role in a movie that I had written and was mm-hmm. producing, and not that there would have been anything wrong with it with it being a, a guy character the the reason why i chose a female character was because i i believe that women just have more of that natural nurturing side to them and i think that it, ca- it counters the extremely controversial and upsetting topic which is you know people who suffer from mental health and 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 mm-hmm. commit suicide so so i wanted to engage it from a way that was really sort of balanced um and and if i had just written it as this guy i could have easily given myself the role and just Mm. said yeah sure i can act it but then what kind of movie would it be it wouldn't be the hotline it wouldn't be as Mm. great as as the actress who played the role be and if i Mm. you know so it's again it's it's it's, you say it's humble but it's just a reality that if you want to make something great you have Mm. to know what you're trying to make and where you are where you are productive and where you are going to shine and then everything else where any other place that you're not able to shine mm. surround yourself with the best people who shine and and make wow. sure that you're great That's at what so you good. do yeah and make sure that these other people are great at, you know that you're working with people who are great at what they do well, let's say if you work in a project and you, you you're working as a writer, and and you have some beautiful story you wanted to, you know, passing to the director, you have your vision, you have how exactly exactly how everything you picture in your head, how do you deliver this vision and or this story, this picture clearly to the director? Right. Well, so let's take it back to that that story about the uh, what's with you, the the stage play that I had written and given to my friend uh, Dave mm. Ornelas, mm. and and then he cast me as an actor, and then it was sort of like now I had to let go of the fact that I had written the script. It was mm. Dave. It was now I was the actor, and Dave needed to direct me, and mm. he and he threw me for a loop. I didn't write the character as an Australian, mm. but he thought, hmm, that would be interesting. Let's give him an accent. And I didn't think about it, but I, my director told me to do that. And so it was my job to try at least to speak with an Australian accent and then let Dave decide whether it was good enough or not. He, mm. It took me a while to learn it. I had some time. He thought it was good enough. So that's what we went with. And so you, it really is about like dropping any kind of ego that you have and mm. fighting, fighting with the people that you are working with to get your way. Even if even if you win that battle in the long run, mm. it might it might be exactly how you wanted it. But I had so many people who had never even seen me before coming up to me and then seeing that I was an American after the show and was like, mm. oh, wait a minute, you're not you don't that's not your actual. And they were like, wow, dude, that was a pretty, pretty good, uh, you know, and I'm like, thanks. You know, I learned it in about two weeks. <laughs> mm. um, but if you you don't know what is going to open up what people are going to recognize about you. If you just have everything your way. And it was a good, it was a, it was a human, sorry, not humiliating. It was a humbling process to write something that I knew Aaron was going to knock out of the ballpark. Mm. And I knew I was pretty confident as well, but I was handing it off to Dave to decide. And I said, my recommendation, hire Aaron, like cast her. She's great. And he had already seen us in a few other plays. So he was like, well, if I'm casting Aaron, I'm casting you. And I was like, okay, I'll do it. And then, but so every, you, everything else you, from that point on was sort of like, there was no conversation. There might've been once during our rehearsals and and, uh, and, mm-hmm. and us getting into the play. But for the most part, I never stopped him and said, wait, that's not what I wrote. Or uh-huh. no, 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 I, I wasn't doing that as a writer. You're, you, you're misinterpreting my writing. Never would do that to a director. Because he has his vision. He knows exactly what he's not an idiot. He can read the script and he mm-hmm. can see the humor in it. That's mm-hmm. why he that's why he wanted to do it. And so for me to sit there and backseat direct with him after because it's the script I wrote is absolutely mm-hmm. pointless. Then I'm not letting him do his job as a director, right? Mm-hmm. So 
it's important to be able to do that, to detach yourself from what you've done to now do this other role and let somebody else be in charge. It's very humbling. Oh, I see what you mean. So you're, you're basically saying you, you, you have the, the writing story down, but give the, 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 tra- the power for the director to in charge of that. So well, let the director yeah. your story into his vision. Exactly. You trust him on that. Exactly. You have to. You have to trust oh. your director. Right. Um, wow. Let let him do his job. Mm. That's that's what he that's what his job is as the director. So, mm. I mean, there were moments where he said things that I found very interesting that mm. I didn't I didn't see my script that way. But at that point, my job was to be the actor and listen to the director. It wasn't mm. to challenge him as the writer. The script mm. is written. That's it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's so true. Always when you, when you explain your your idea to someone else or, mm-hmm. or show something else, show a new idea to someone else, people they would always bring in some fresh idea you never thought of, and it's just, it can just be a great combination. Of right. the people when they working together. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, during 14 years of staying in this industry, um, and obviously this industry is so hard to survive, and if it's anything that moves you or makes you passionate or, or you know, give you a, a, a motivation to keep going or innovate that just, you know, just overall in general just make, makes you say to yourself that, you know, right, that's the whole reason I'm staying and, and even how hard it is. If there's any, any moments like that. I would say that it's slightly different depending on what my role is. When, when you, when you, and besides the basics, like if you write something, you want people to say, wow, that's a really cool story that mm-hmm. you wrote. When you're an actor, you want people to say, wow, you really moved me as the character. You really, you really sold it. You you were phenomenal as an actor. When you're you, when you're a director, you want people to say like that was a really good production, smooth, solid. Um, and as a producer, you're still in the background and nobody tells you anything. <laughs> Just mm. good job. But um, <laughs> but I think that there have been plenty of moments. I, I, more than there, there are so many fun moments that I remember as an actor. One of them had to do with Jerry Miller and the musical that actually won the Annie Award in Chico, California for the best uh, play for Shakespeare in the Park was oh, a, wow. an original play that Jerry might, had written called uh, Blackbird Sings. And we had a mm-hmm. phenomenal cast. We're talking about all the big people in Chico who were doing theater for years um, and a, a few new new people. But it was just an amazing production. The story was hilarious. Uh, we had a live band playing, so it was mm. sort of it was in the park. So um, Marcel Daguerre and 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 his band they they provided the music, and that was probably and it happens so rarely um, that you have like a one run of a show, especially in theater because there's so mm. much going on in theater. Uh, you don't get to cut, you don't get to edit things out later. You, you know, it's a full show run. Uh, very like everything uh, happening. Yeah, it's a, like, it's live. Yeah, yeah, it's a very living thing. So, right. every show of that run was just—I mean, people were on point. They got their jokes down. There was very little drama behind stage, backstage. Mm-hmm. There was people were enjoying it. When when our other fellow cast people were up on stage and they were singing their songs, I mean, everybody was a backstage mouthing to the music and like listening for their favorite lines it was such an like an incredible energy the energy oh yes of that you know, show the energy is what makes you really you know happy and bring you yeah you like oh wow that's the thing like, oh it was phenomenal for it was phenomenal and and what i mean that was probably one of the most monumental like memories that i've ever had as an actor i mean there there are other great memories too um not i don't know if they quite compare but there were there are just memories of working on Boonie Bears where I would have Justin Wheeler in the studio and I'm recording him because we did that like we were act we were voice actors but we were also staff writers and we were also audio engineers for each other recording and so and so I was recording him and his character voices would make me laugh so hard 
<laughs> that I couldn't. These are the that, fun part. <laughs> that that I couldn't like sometimes I really couldn't focus because he was just um, like he has a very high register and he has these really wild character voices that just make you drop laughing. They're just very <laughs> funny. Um yeah. and because he played he played um Bramble, who was the, the that's the English name for Shongar. Um oh a lot differently than the Chinese voice actor. So his, his was very much high pitch and I'm a low register voice actor, right? I can mm. get, get kind of up there, but just to be like, like in these very high <laughs> squeals. And, and, uh. and then it's sort of why I had such a low growl for Bramble because I wanted there to be a contrast, right? Mm. Briar was very Briar, like very high pitched and kind of whiny. And oh. so I, I had to balance that with like, come on, Bramble, we're going to be fine. You know, like, so yeah. it, it, it just, those two balanced each other out. Whereas if you had just a bunch of wow, 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 crazy characters, it's going to be over the top. There's not going to be any balance to it. So that, that connection that we had as um, Shongdan, Shongar, Briar and Bramble mm -hmm. were phenomenal when it came to the Western market. I mean, cause it's just, it, it was it's what made them you know get nominated in in uh, france it's what uh, helped sell their their brand to companies in russia that would like redub it and um mm -hmm. it became you know not not let's say a, a worldwide hit but a pretty international hit it's been mm -hmm. on netflix it's been on amazon it's had some success and even though yes. justin and i have since parted from those lovable lovable bears um it's still going and it's still Long i mean 30. yeah they're still doing it and it's uh i think the last person who did briar my character was mario lopez who's a very well-known actor in the united states much much more well-known than i am wow. um but you know and he does a, he did a, a phenomenal job very different than me mm. um but you know i'm a big fan of mario's so it's kind of cool you know, I watched yeah. him when I was a kid. He was in a TV show called Safe by the Bell, Saved by the Bell, and um, uh, and so was it a cartoon TV show. It wasn't. It was it was a high school like live action comedy TV uh, show, okay. and um, yeah, he 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 played Slater, and uh, I've always I've always kind of liked Mario Lopez, and then when I found out that he was doing the voice of Briar for one of the movies, I don't know if he full on took took on the character after that, but. He did it, and I was like, I have to watch it. I have to watch Mario Lopez do the character that I <laughs> helped build, right? Yeah. So there, there, are, there are plenty of moments where you just, you kind of are like, oh, that's so cool. So one more, one other story that I would like to share with you real quick is, is I was um, asked to audition for a Transformers mobile video game. And of course, mm -hmm. I'm not going to turn that down. It's Transformers, right? They, right. Asked me, they asked me to do the voice of Optimus Prime. And so, and I knew Optimus Prime was Peter Cullen. He's been the voice of Optimus Prime since the 80s. So the guy has had that voice forever. So I'm thinking to myself, Optimus Prime. I go back and I watch a lot of videos of oh. Peter Cullen um, doing the voice of Optimus Prime, telling the story about his brother saying, Peter, if you're going to be a hero, be a real hero. You know, and, oh, wow. and him, and he has, oh. and he has such a smooth oh, voice, Peter, Peter Cullen. <laughs> And so, um, so I'm listening to it and I'm trying to like, you know, get that. I don't want to just mimic uh, Peter Cullen, but I want to get mm. close. I want it to sound like Optimus Prime, right? Mm. So instead, I'm just thinking to myself, close. okay, it's pretty close, <laughs> right? So I just kept practicing over and over again, like, yeah. I'm Optimus Prime, you know, and okay, it needs to be deeper. I am right. Optimus Prime. And okay, keep going at it. Keep trying to dig deeper. I am Optimus Prime. And I was getting closer. So, oh. I mean, Peter Cullen has such an amazing voice. But here's here's the here's the bittersweet part of it is that I launched an agreement with these guys. I was about to send out the contract and mm. they were like and I hadn't heard back from them. And I don't want to sound desperate, so I'm just like, "Yep, they liked your audition. Everything sounds great." And I'm mm. like, "Cool. Awesome." So, then, you know, a day goes by and I didn't hear back from them. And I'm like, you know, don't rush it. Production sometimes can take a while. They might be getting confirmation from other voice actors. You don't know where they are. Um, so just hang in there. So two days go by and I don't hear anything back. And so I just wanted to reach out and I just said, hey, this is Rick, just touching base. 
I wanted mm-hmm. to see what the schedule was with production. Um, and then they responded to me shortly afterwards and they said, Hey Rick, um, sorry for the uh, late reply. Um, we, we regret to inform you that we uh, decided to go with uh, Peter Cullen for the voice of Optimus Prime. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> well, I mean, but look, listen, if you're going to lose, lose to the best, right? This was oh, the voice wow. of Optimus Prime. And so the, it's it's like, of course, I wanted to do the voice of Optimus Prime. Yeah. But it's also kind of cool that I lost the audition or I lost the job to Peter Cullen. That's way better than losing it to some other guy, right? Mm. Who's never done the voice of Optimus Prime. So it's a bittersweet. It's kind of a victory. I, I kind of a cool well, it's a cool story, right? Yeah. Makes me feel closer to a great voice actor. So um, you you just have to have that mindset. It's there's too much in this industry, especially with actors. There's too much of this mindset of. And here's another thing that I tell people when I coach them: when it comes to auditions, most actors have this desperate mindset of like, I gotta get this part. I just gotta, I gotta get this part. If I can get this part, this is gonna be my break. And your mind is so focused on getting that one role and you're nervous and you're concerned and you got too much going on in your head that there's no possible way for you to make a good impression on a casting director. And that's what you really, that's what you really want to do. No matter what, at the end of the day, this business is about relationships. I found that out the hard way many times. So it's, it's important when you are trying out for a role, because I think you were going to ask me something you were leading towards this, I, I feel. When you're trying out for a role, you want to make sure that you do a very good job in your read, but this is not the make the, the end of the world if you don't get this job. If a casting director likes you and they keep calling you back and you get on their short list, you're going to get something eventually. It's uh... important to, to realize that. Yeah, because because I I bet just not many people they reach out for for audition, right? Because sure. because only because your 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 voice is close to what they picturing in their head and right. I think that's a really good opportunity to try out because because mm-hmm. it's one day the opportunity will will be there. Right, and it, it's it's also the industry of you don't hear anything. Nobody's really mean anymore and says sorry, we're not going to cast you. It's sort of like we're only going to move forward with the person that you can't spend all day calling 50 people that you had audition and saying, sorry, we're not going to give you the role. That would break the heart of any casting director. Casting directors aren't out there to hurt people's feelings. No, seriously, they have one job and that's to get the right person for the job that would make the director happy. And so they can't spend their time hurting the feelings of a bunch of actors it's like you just gotta know you didn't get this part move on to the next one (laughs) yeah it's not it's not their job to comfort you you really have to have you really have to have some stones to be an actor and so just realize that you're probably going to go through a bunch of auditions and you're not going to hear back for most of them do you do you feel so 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 for people wanted to get into this industry or 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 where do, where's the best place to you know learn or, or find opportunity because mm. it's, because you, you it's not like a regular job you're not ap- applying for an office job or or, or mail guy or working at McDonald's that easy like how where's the right. best place to right well let's look at it this way and this is why one this is people ask me what's your least favorite question and I you know I'm not trying to say that you ask me my least favorite question but you just asked me my least favorite question. <laughs> it's the reason, the reason why I'll explain why. When I started out almost a decade and a half ago, mm. Google wasn't even what Google is now. YouTube wasn't even what YouTube is now. Mm. And I find it like that for me, when I started, I was getting these gigs in Chico, which was a smaller community, didn't have a big economy. And people were paying me in coupons to do not well-crafted, but pretty, pretty decent work. And Mm. it led one thing led to another. And that's really how the industry is. How much of yourself are you putting out there? Mm. I've talked to people who are just, 
they have great singing voices and they've done some stage theater, uh, you know, some stage plays and some theater. And they're like, how do I get in Disney? And it's like, you don't, you don't get in Disney. That's not how it works. If you want to, if you want to have a chance to audition with Disney, you have a long road to go. You need to put yourself out there so much so and be dedicated to your craft that people mm-hmm. want to work with you. And when those people want to work with you, other opportunities open up. And so, so it's a long road. Them. There's yeah. no there's no shortcut to this industry. And anyone who tells you that there is is just full of it. There's no one mm-hmm. right, there's no one right path. There's no shortcut. Mm-hmm. If you want to do it, start working on your craft. Get involved in smaller local stuff. Try to market yourself to like websites where you can do stuff for free. I mean, literally put yourself, put your name out there, put your voice on something Uh so that you can share that with people so that you can put a demo together so that you can show people I'm constantly doing this. Here's another thing that I'm doing. Then Mm. when you have a good solid build Mm. and you're in the right industry and area, look for representation or maybe representation will find you. Find an agent, get an agent, and 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 that that's after a while. That's after having work done and being consistent and making sure that you are behaving and, and working professionally and that you're always out there trying to kill it. If you're not willing to go through that, you're not cut out for the industry. I mean, it's a lot easier now. People are getting famous off of Instagram and TikTok and right. YouTube. And that wasn't available back when I when I started, really. Nobody was getting famous off of YouTube. It was all cats, cat videos. And, you know, so, so 15, almost 15 years from when I started and and really had no direction to, you know, the career that I've built and continue to try to work on. It's not Mm. like my job, my job isn't done. I still audition. Mm. I still have to find new roles and new people to work with, but it never Mm. ends. So Mm. my whole attitude isn't to dismiss people who ask me that question. I will give you the question. I I will give you the answer, but usually it's not the answer that people like. Usually they want to hear, how do I get your career on a silver platter? And that, that as much as I understand the, the desire to have what somebody else has, you have to work for it. It would be just as insulting for me to go up to Hank Azaria from the Simpsons and say, how do I get on the Simpsons? He would be like, dude, I've been doing this for a long time before you were even a voice actor. Don't ask me how you get on The Simpsons. I mean, I'm oh, assuming he's a really I'm not trying to make Hank Azaria sound like a like a complete jerk in my storyline. I'm <laughs> sure he's a I'm sure he's a perfectly fine man. But but like yeah. a, just, you know, it's such it's not an insulting question. It's just an absurd question. Everybody yeah. in this industry works so hard to get where they're at and they continue mm. to work hard to stay where they're at. That, mm. that that's the only correct answer. Work hard, mm. get yourself involved in projects, do things that people want you to do for free, pay your dues, pay, make sure that you mm. constantly are getting involved in stuff. Find a group of people that, that you work well with who are constantly creating their own content. There's so much content creation going on out there now. Right. You don't have to be on a, you don't have to be on a network television show to be a successful voice actor. You mm-hmm. don't. You can literally, people make a lot of good money just being commercial voiceovers, just doing corporate work. People make a killing doing audiobooks for ACX and, and other projects. So what are your goals as a voice actor? That's the first question I would ask back. And if your goals are to be a, a, a TV animated character voice actor, well, then start working on doing that and get involved with people who do that and and get training, get get coaching, get coaching from somebody out, who you'll know, figure it out later. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, the door you will inv- open the door will open, but only if you only if you invest in yourself, right. if you invest in your career, if you put the time in to do the work that nobody's going to pay you for. Mm-hmm. And then and then finally start making money at it somehow saving Mm. that money up pay for a coach don't just pay for any coach go get a coach who who, seriously go get a coach who used to do cartoon animated characters he knows people and if he works with you and he coaches you he's going to tell you who he can put you in touch with to go find auditions 
He might even give you a good in with his agent and say, I coached mm-hmm. this guy or this girl. She's really phenomenal. She's got a lot of potential. Think about mm-hmm. representing her or him. Mm-hmm. I put this demo together for them. I mean, it's it's an it's an industry about relationships. And mm-hmm. so you want to ha- approach it with like, I'm willing to do the hard work. I'm willing to wait until I have like some stuff under my belt. But if you're approaching it as like, how do I get into the industry? That's how. That's exactly how you can try to make the shortcuts, like become famous on TikTok or, or IG or Instagram. And that might work for you. Like I said, there's no one right path, but the only answer that I have for people is mm. do the work, put in your time, pay your dues mm. and keep doing it. I mean, you know, I've had about a, a year and a half hiatus, almost a two year hiatus from voice acting after my brother passed away. Not to bring mm. up a sad, not to bring up a sad subject, but I needed that time to mm. to to kind of grieve, and so, you know, I wasn't auditioning. I wasn't really. I was staying in touch with my agents, and I was looking at certain things here and there, but I wasn't in it. I wasn't able to emotionally. Yeah. So it took me some time to get over that. Now getting back into the swing of things. You. Yeah, welcome sure. back to the game. <laughs> yeah, right. And and it's yeah. almost one. It's almost one of those things. I don't want to make it sound bad, but mm. it's almost one of those things where I'm starting completely over now. You're right. A lot of the other people that I was talking to before, they've mm. moved on. Their careers have expanded, and they might say hello or here's that. But I'm also not living in that area anymore. Mm. And starting now seems even maybe harder than it did when I was when I started 14, 15 years ago. And it's okay because I know I know that I'm capable. I know that I have the right attitude to do it. And I'm not putting mm-hmm. all my eggs into this basket. It's not something that I'm I would love to just be a voiceover for the rest of my life. No way. Mm-hmm. I want to continue to write. I want to do voiceover work. Um, I want to, you know, be more solid at music production. I've always been into music. So mm-hmm. the 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 interests where the, I have so many different interests that if mm. I if I can keep the VO, the voiceover, and the voice acting going, great. If I can make money, keep making money at music, great. If I can sell scripts and get paid to doctor other people's scripts, great. Mm. Anything that I can do to get my hands on to show like something that I'm passionate about and love doing, mm. I'm down to do it. So that's the advice I that I have for people who want to get into the industry. <laughs> Thank work. you so much. It's <laughs> such a great advice and and yeah. all this and, and and there's a lot of harsh work, but it's so yeah, and re- I do. realistic to 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 listen to that, hear that, and learn from that. And yeah, I, I, I one advice. thank you, thank. Well, I, one thing that I try to do is I I don't I don't want to come off discouraging. I don't want to make it sound like you can't do it. It's hard work. You know, you, it, it's just the reality of it. It is. There, it is way it is. And and I I would be doing yes. nobody any favors if I lied to them, right. and said and told them things that weren't going to happen were going to happen. Oh, Don't here's how you do it. Just yeah, exactly. Go knock on Disney's door and say I'm a voice actor. Here's my resume. Uh, Please hire me. I mean, right. I could I could tell you that, but you're going to look like uh, a fool, and I don't want right. you to look like a fool. So I'm not going to give you that advice. There's ways yeah, to do it. So good. Build yourself a um, career and people will pay attention, but it's not, it's not easy, but yeah, it's yeah. possible for sure. Yeah. All right. We, uh, we, uh, wrapping up this. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I can't wait to share the next podcast with you. And if you like this podcast, don't forget to hit the subscribe button. I will see you soon. Bye.